Just how important is it to label someone's profession when talking about terrorism? Hi, this is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Russell, Ontario, Canada, and you're listening to Quick Hits. This is now January the 18th. We're a couple of days away from the inauguration of President Biden and a very welcome end to the presidency of Donald Trump. And a lot of people are still talking about what happened on January the 6th, the riot, insurrection, coup, terrorist attack, whatever you want to call it, at the Capitol, in which uh, one officer was killed, as well as one protester and a few injuries as well, and fears that something analogous, maybe worse, might happen at the Biden inauguration in Washington. A lot of reporting on FBI concerns. Apparently, they have some intelligence that there are some kind of some kind of action, protest action being planned for all 50 state capitals, all 50, as well as Washington, D.C. So they're going to be ramping up the armed presence within D.C. for the inauguration. And I just saw a really interesting piece that the National Guard, which, of course, will deploy in events such as this, has asked the FBI to vet those of its members that will be asked to provide protection for the inauguration. The implication being, of course, that there are members of the National Guard who may in fact be either sympathetic with the ideologies and worldviews of some of the protesters, or in a worst case scenario, may actually be planning acts of violence against the president uh, on Wednesday. A lot of reporting about how some of the protesters on January the 6th had some kinds of ties to the military. We've known for quite some time that there is a definite right-wing extremist presence uh, in militaries, not just United States, but even here in Canada. The Chief of Defence Staff, Jonathan Vance, has, has, has talked about this openly in Canadian media as well. But there's an article that I saw this morning on Vice News. This is a Canadian site that does an awful lot of reporting on uh, the right. Uh, disappointingly for me, doesn't talk a lot about Islamist extremism, but they have their specialty and they do it quite well. Uh, the, the main reporter is a man called Mac Lamoureux. I, I do like his stuff. Here's a headline from a, an article I came across last week. The proud boy who smashed a U.S. Capitol window is a former Marine. A former Marine. What I want to talk about today is the use of that language in the headline. And if you know me, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back a little bit. I'm wondering if the headline had been different if the man who smashed windows at the Capitol had been a former accountant or a former mechanic or a former dentist. In other words, what was the need to spell out in the headline that this individual was a former Marine? Now, I tweeted this out and I I did get uh, a bit of criticism for questioning the headline. People wrote, well, of course it's important that he's a Marine for two main reasons. Uh, If he's a former Marine, he's received some kind of significant training in how to uh, acquire and use weapons. Checkmark, that's absolutely right. And as a a Marine, he would have been forced to take a pledge to uphold the Constitution and to protect the United States. Another checkmark. Those two points are absolutely correct. I do have some questions, though. The fact that he's a former Marine, when was he in the Marines? When did he get out of the Marines? Did he hold these views views why he was a Marine? Did he hold these views before he became a Marine? If the answer is that he did it before, 
then it raises a very interesting question about how we became a Marine in the first place. In other words, what kind of vetting does the, do the Marines do to ensure that people who hold vile, intolerant, hateful, right-wing views are not allowed to join that very, very proud force? If he acquired the views while in the Marines, that raises another question. How many others in the Marines hold these views? Where did he get the views from? Was there a radicalizer within the Marines who taught them this stuff? Just how big is the problem? If he acquired the views after he left the Marines, that's a whole different issue. You can't blame the Marines for something that happened after someone left the Corps. I'm not saying the Marines don't have issues and problems, but what someone chooses to do after they leave is that person's business. The bottom line for me is there's two things. First of all is the use of language. Imagine the Fuhrer and the uproar if the headline had read, man who breaks windows at Capitol is Muslim, man who breaks windows at Capitol is black, man who breaks windows at Capitol is LGBT. Different headline, right? Different reaction. I do think, and this is the second point, I do think that the headline was good in the sense that it did point out to a potential problem within the US military, Marines, Air Force, etc., in that we do know there's a presence of the far right, as, as I said, as there is in Canada as well. And it certainly is true that someone who has training with weapons and access to weapons poses a far greater threat than a dentist or an accountant or a mechanic. But if we're gonna be consistent when we talk about extremism and we talk about terrorism, we might wanna be consistent in our use of language. The reporter, Mac Lamoureux, as I said, I, I kind of like his stuff most of the time. I think needed to do due diligence in determining exactly what was the link, if any, between this individual's stay in the Marines and his views, and the fact that he participated in an insurrection in the Capitol on January the 6th. In other words, is there any there there? Is the Marine link an important one? Does it point to a bigger problem? Well, the National Guard certainly seems to think so. They've asked the FBI to vet the people, all 25,000, I believe, who are going to be uh, on the mall in Washington when the inauguration takes place. I'm not dismissing this problem. This is a very significant problem in the United States. I'm also going to cut Mac a bit of slack because I know from experience that those that write articles don't write the headlines. I've written hundreds of op-ed pieces in a variety of newspapers here in Canada, and I'm often a little bit eh, surprised, shall we say, when I see the headline that goes on my article. So Mac may, in fact, never have chosen this headline, it might be somebody else. But I think that if we're going moving forward, if we want to be seen as objective, knowledgeable people when we talk about extremism, we want to do ourselves a favor and be consistent with the language that we use insofar as that's possible. As I said before, it's really hard to gain agreement on these terms like extremism, like terrorism, like insurrections, like militants, like insurgents. Cursory glance of the news on a given day shows all these terms being used to, to describe and to account for basically the same types of things. So yeah, I'm calling for consistency in a world of inconsistency. Just some thoughts. Oh, and I forgot to mention, today's podcast is being brought to you by the Humboldt Broncos, which of course is a Saskatchewan team which had a tragic event back in 2018 when 16 of its players were killed and 13 were, 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 were wounded when a truck um, hit their bus 
on a, on a, on a barren highway in Saskatchewan. Rest in peace, Humboldt Broncos. Before I leave you, of course, there is the usual quick hits, Hardy Boys, Pearl of Wisdom. This one is really, really good. It comes from What Happened at Midnight. Joe and Frank Hardy, Boy Detectives, here's their advice for all of you doing counterterrorism and counterintelligence. When following someone, it's best to stay far enough behind that there are always several people between you and your quarry. Really good advice for those doing physical surveillance. Make sure you're not seen. Anyhow, that's what I think. What do you think about the headline? Is it Was it a good headline? Was it necessary? Drop me a line or reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealisaves. You'll also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you want to get more content from Borealis, simply go to my website, borealisthreatenrisk.com. Hit the subscribe button, provide your email address. You'll get an automatic email every day, all the blogs, all the podcasts, all the media interviews to your inbox free of charge. And you'll get material that no one else gets, subscriber-only content. I'd love to hear from you on this and other podcast. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe. Thank you.